Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Rewind podcast, episode number eight, I believe we're up to. And uh, today we're looking at um, a very famous game of the Super Rugby, well actually at the time known as Super 12, probably the first uh, Super Rugby or Super 12 final I can actually remember. This one's going back in the memory banks for a while, but uh, involving the Brumbies, the ACT Brumbies and the Canterbury Crusaders in 2004. The final. When we course. say Canterbury Crusaders. I I don't know about you, but I don't think they were referred to as the Canterbury Crusaders once throughout the game. I think it was the ACT Brumbies and the Crusaders from New Zealand. Yes, it was. It's, they were representing New Zealand um, in this game, yeah, according to the I Australian mean, we'll commentary. <laughs> yes, Actually, but uh, will we take it? I don't know if I want to be represented by them, but I'll tell you what. what if you've ever been to Canberra, if you've ever been to Canberra or the ACT in general, you'll. Probably agree with me in saying that. Uh, hopefully, I don't offend anyone in saying this, but uh, there's not a lot of things to be proud of about uh, Canberra. Uh, but if one of their sporting teams is up there, which it is, and especially in the early 2000s, as the Brumbies were, then they'll take it. And um, oh, yes. as there's not, there's not too many sporting teams based in the ACT, so I think the Brumbies really do get a good following, and especially um, in the early 2000s when they were so good. But yes, I the mean, 2004 the finals of this era were ridiculous. Like, we could spend a yeah. good half hour or so just listing off the legends of this period. Yeah. For them. I mean, this would have to be, if not the best, one of the best uh, lineups for both teams um, in Super Rugby history, I'd say. Uh, not just based on experience, but just raw talent. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean yes, yeah. exactly. Raw talent, as you said. And I mean, there was experience in there too. And. Both teams stacked with internationals. I think Crusaders had like 13 of their starting 15, and Brumbies must have had probably all 15 of their starting 15 were internationals. Yeah, it's definitely. Ridiculous. But uh, I think it was also famous, and we'll go over this shortly, but over the scoreline, because obviously most finals are, uh, well, up until this point, had been quite low scoring. Um, so we'll talk about the, the high scoring nature of this game as well. But um, we'll just quickly cover off what we were doing. I mean, this is quite a long time ago. We're going quite a way back. I think I would have been about seven. Uh, but this is actually the first grand final that I can remember watching. Um, 2004 was probably the first season. Um, at that point, I was actually living in Christchurch. So I was I was a Crusaders oh, fan no. at this point. Um, my dad had a season pass and he used to take me every every weekend to the Crusaders at Jade Stadium, which was a great stadium. Oh, May I point now out? that is a throwback. <laughs> and we had great tickets, and um, yeah, always enjoyed it. But then, but disappointed when I watched it on TV, the final, of course. Um, but they played so well throughout the season; they came runner-up um, overall on the table. I think it was, or did they win it? I think no, I think they were runner-up, and Brumbies were, were first, which is why they had the home <laughs> final, of course. I mean, if you um, tuned in a wee bit late to this game as a Crusaders fan, you might well have had a cardiac arrest seeing the scoreline. Yes, I think so. Um, now, before we get into the final, um, obviously we'll talk about what where you were, but I can't imagine you would have remembered too much of this game. Would I be correct in saying No, that? as I kind of said, I mean, I'd watched a few games, sort of mainly All Blacks and a few Landers games before um, yeah. around this time, but 07 was kind of when followed rugby as a fool, so... Yeah. I've seen the highlights okay. of this game. There's a few very infamous well, moments for a I mean, if you've uh, ever watched player who um, we'll definitely get onto, but if you've ever definitely watched glad rugby, I finally got around to watching it. If you've ever watched rugby in Australia or on Australian TV, um, 
you won't ever get away with not hearing the commentary talk about this famous final from 2004. Like, you know, we mentioned this in the 2014 final, how we'll never get away with hearing the end of that one. But uh, I can assure you, if any Australian Super Rugby team wins a game, you'll also not hear the end of that because we're still hearing about it from 2004. Uh, That's the thing, you could never have watched any of these players play and you'll know a decent amount about their careers and how good they were just because they're plastered all over Australian Rugby Hall of Fame, really. Hall of Fame, coaching as well, management, they're all involved now. Um, They're big names and um, I'm sure the commentary, well, as you know, the commentary, which we both watched the same version, there's only one on YouTube, I believe. Um, Yeah, regrettably, I found another version halfway through the game and it's like oh do i switch but it's like no there were some classic lines throughout this which we'll get on to i love yeah i mean i love watching the aussie version for this just because we can complain about the commentary together usually don't have anyone to roast the commentators with so it's good before we get into the lineups um there was one game because super 12 was actually a round robin tournament prior to the super 15 tournament i believe it was just every team played ill team at least once the good old um, days, really, as most people would yeah, say. Exactly. And uh, in this particular season, the Canterbury Crusaders did play the Brumbies, but they played in Christchurch for the first game. So that was in the normal season. And the Crusaders actually won that game, I think, by 20 points. Um, so that was a comfortable home. victory. Yeah, so I think it was, if you want the the official score, I believe it was, if I can find it. I had it written down somewhere, but now I've lost it. Um, let me see. No, I can't. Well, um, you find in that there was another, um, not the same season, but going a couple of years back, actually. It's a rematch of the 2000 Super Rugby Final. Okay. The Crusaders won 20 points to 19 over the Brumbies. So, yes. Bit of history yeah. between the two sides. There is a bit of history. Similar to that um, Waratahs versus Crusaders one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's 2014. Um, anyway, yeah, the, so the, the Crusaders did win throughout the season, um, but that wasn't Christchurch, so they had the home advantage, I guess. Uh, but back here, we're in Canberra for this one, the home advantage to the Brumbies, and uh, at their at their Brumbies Stadium, or whatever they were calling it at the time, I think it was just called Canberra Stadium. Yeah. Um, full crowd for this a, one, 28,000. Yeah, very packed crowd, I was going to say. Yeah, 28,000. They actually get pretty good crowds, the Brumbies usually got a pretty devoted fan base when they're Yeah, very well, vocal which, as well. It's not 28,000 watching, it's 28,000 that uh, getting right and behind their team. So. Plus three in the commentary box as well. Uh, yep. <laughs> but we'll get on to that. I didn't think they were as biased as they could have been. Nah, but at they, the same they time, tried. Yeah. It's just cans. It's just cans. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I've got in my notes at some point. Oh my God, the commentators have been not biased. And then I'm like, oh wait, Kearns has ruined it. <laughs> of course. All right, so let's get into the um, lineups. I'll take the Brumbies for this one uh, as I am somewhat of an adopted Australian now living over here in Australia. But uh, that's not to say I support the the Brumbies, but I will take their lineup. And if you want to do the Crusaders. Yeah, sounds good to me. Do you want to take us away first? Yeah, I'll get started with the home side. So, yeah, the Brumbies side, You'll most listeners, if you're probably the same age or older than us, you'll definitely be aware of a lot of these names. But um, perhaps not in the uh, front row. I wouldn't have thought uh, you would know as many. But the... Um, your front row is you had Bill Young, Jeremy Paul, and Nick Henderson. Um, so I haven't got too many comments for these uh, for these players, particularly Bill Young. I know uh, Jeremy Paul did play a number of games for the Brumbies, well over 100, I think. 
Uh, he was a standout in this game as well. And uh, Nick Henderson also, I think he had a few caps for the Australian Wallabies. Uh, yeah, two all three, three of them had some caps. I think Jeremy Paul, yeah. as you said, was kind of the pick of the bunch. Yeah, definitely. I think Henderson um, was quite young at this point. And... Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, so since yeah. we gave uh, Ben Alexander a shout-out for the, the same name the other week, I suppose we should give Nick Henderson a shout-out, former OB's yeah. lad as well. We should. We've got to get that in there. <laughs> uh, or we should probably give out the famous actor Ben Affleck as well then, I suppose. Oh, mate. No, that's no, no, Ben Affleck's uh, running around for the Brumbies. <laughs> yeah, he's too busy with um, bloody what's-her-face, Jennifer, what's her name, Lopez. No. Well, there Hannibal was a uh, Harry Potter on the wing for the Rebels. So, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think he's over at Leicester now. Not a bad wee player, actually. So that's your front row. Uh, Bill Young, Jeremy Paul, Nick Henderson, obviously one, two, three, respectively. Um, your um, your four and five jerseys had Mark Chisholm. Um, so again, I mean, not a name that I was that familiar with, but just purely based on my age, but actually he has done a lot of caps for Australia and Brumbies, over 100 for the Brumbies and over 50 for Australia. So um, just purely based on my age, I didn't really know too much about him, but a really great yeah. player. And I think he was kind of that era, would have been slightly before sort of Nathan Sharp and the yeah um, James Halls and that sort of lot. Yeah, Same sort of, I think he played know, did a job. He played a lot of flanker as well. Um, so he was a, a lock and a flanker. Uh, but in this case, he was at the lock position, number four jersey. Uh, Radiki Samo, number five. Again, another man who can play at many positions, including the wing, if you remember the yeah. 2011 World Cup. Um, this man has had a massive career. He's He played well into his late 30s, of course, and we've talked about him before on this uh, podcast. But his first Australian team was the Brumbies um, and probably his first um, you know, outing where he really stood out as a, a world-class player. And um, in this case, he I think he played about 30 games for the Brumbies. Also went on to play for the Reds, as we have mentioned in the past. Um, so he's done about 70 caps overall in Super Rugby. But again, he has played for the Wallabies, as we know. But in this case, he was in, uh, in the lock position. And man, he was fantastic throughout this game. So we'll oh, talk about yeah. him. A lot, of, a lot of comments about him throughout the match, but we'll save them. He really is one of those players who can pull out some crazy stuff, isn't he? If you think about some of the games he's played in, uh, for the Wallabies, for the Reds. He's pulled out some outrageous ability um, in those individual games. But yeah, I mean, you I can guess... see the Fijian blood pumping through him. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, in your number uh, six jersey was the captain, Owen Finnegan. Uh, very experienced at the time. I think he played a lot of games for the Brumbies uh, and Australia as well. So he was captaining the team in this case. I think this was one of his I think, second last season for the Brumbies. Um, yeah, I feel bad. I don't remember anything much about the guy, but I looked him but, up and yeah, he was very experienced, quality player. Looking, looking him up, I think he was, at the time, he would have been one of the oldest in the squad. So Yeah, I think, I think the started... commentators said at one point, oh, it was yeah. him, him or Ruben Thorne, maybe, that were the oldest on the paddock? Might not have been Ruben Thorne, it was... It was one of the Crusaders anyway. It might have been Chris Jackson. I was going to say, this is bloody Andrew Mertens would almost wouldn't have been. Oh, um, yeah. Either way, I don't think he was too old. I think he was like 32 or 33 at the time. So Yeah, okay. Not getting onto Samo levels of 2011 no. World Cup. George Smith, um, who many of us will certainly be familiar with that name. Um, George Smith was in the seven jersey, and he had a great game as well. Um, oh, again, one of Brumbies my favourite legends. Lucy's of all time. 
got to be a Brumbies legend, of course. Um, over well over 135 caps for the Brumbies, one of their most capped players of all time. And um, again, I mean, he the, could run, he could kick, he had dreads, yeah. and he most dreads. importantly of all, he wore fingerless gloves. So, like, what is not what to like the, about the guy? What, what was this trend with fingerless gloves? Ghetto had them on as well. Yeah, <laughs> Ghetto and George Smith. Sterling well, was like more at the time too, but he was. It, it does look pretty cool when they go for a dive. You know, they'd go for a scoring and try and go for a dive, and you got these fingerless gloves on. Yeah, it was a um, weird trend at this time, and then it kind of just. Is it still allowed? So it died. Apparently like, not, but you're not allowed to wear them I mean, anymore. Yeah? I don't think yeah. anyone's game enough to wear them. To be honest, well, you might get called a few names, um, but I'm assuming it will be an unfair advantage because you got more grip, right? Is that how yeah, they work? I don't know. I know Aaron Smith wore them a few years back, but I feel like it's yeah, changed recently that you're. You know who used to wear them? them? Um, didn't what's his name that Japanese fullback Garamaru? Didn't oh, I feel like he did. Yeah, I think he did. I mean, I can tell you a lot of players that wore them because, funnily enough, I just made a uh, 15 of them that all wore gloves. It's <laughs> classic. There is so many. Not many props, but every other position is stopped. Who else wore them? I'm trying to think. <laughs> oh, Jimmy Goppers, the classic yeah, Kiwi yeah. we wore them. Yeah. It definitely, is, definitely this era, isn't it? Um, anyway, so George Smith, as many of you were, in this case, like you said, he did have dreadlocks, which was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, he went on to play for the Queensland Red. If you remember back two or three years ago, he actually came back and played for the Reds. Um, Didn't he grab a few was, caps against the British Lions? Would have been like 2013 uh, they came over? He did. I'm sure he I got think, on. I think he did. Which is crazy to think. So he was a fantastic player. He was in the number seven jersey. Um, so yeah, that was year, year seven. Um, number eight jersey was Scott Favre, or Favre, um, however you want to say it. Uh, again, not a name I was too familiar with, but uh, in fact, he does have some caps for the Wallabies, I think four or five, and um, plenty of caps for the Brumbies, over 50 as well. So uh, he was in the number eight jersey. Uh, any comments on him? I didn't didn't have too much to say about him. No, uh, not too much case. either. I don't remember a great deal about him. I know he was a handy wee player, but it was before my time a bit. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was number eight, and of course, number nine, not many words need to be spoken about this um, great man. Uh, George Gregan, of course, in your halfback position. And, I mean, nine uh, or was... ten don't really need words. Both of them are just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic combination. Probably the I would probably say the best combination um, that Australia has had. Oh, yeah, maybe... I mean, uh, you could, Guinea I mean, and Cooper were good, Guinea but and like, Cooper. these yeah, guys are on another level. You'd They're argue level. one of the best combinations probably world rugby's even seen. I'd say so. Um, so, of course, George Gregan and um, a wee bit of a fact, I guess. We could have included this in our quiz last week, but uh, he wasn't born in Australia. He's Australian, of course, but he was actually born in Zambia and Africa. So, um, there you yeah. go. Eligible for them for Papua New Guinea as well. Uh, he certainly is. Another random 15 I made the other day, actually, of team players eligible for Strange Nations. Yeah, the most be... strange one I've picked out is Stephen Moore. Any guesses where he was born? Um, somewhere in Asia? In Malaysia? Yep. Oh, yeah. not, I mean, Asia's right, but it's Saudi Arabia. So, you know, Saudi Stephen Arabia. Moore, classic Saudi Arabian okay. bloke. Interesting. I, That's weird, isn't it? Know, he doesn't look like... very Saudi Arabian. He looks quite Australian. Oh, mate. <laughs> and uh, former England lock Simon Shaw is apparently Kenyan. So, 
Well, you just never know. Those, I mean, I suppose <laughs> back in the nineties, a lot of New Zealand Australians went travelling over to those countries. I mean, and, yeah, got some grandparent or something that yeah. went over there, which makes them eligible at some point in time. Well, there you go. Maybe Stephen Moore might pop up as a as a hooker. Imagine seeing uh, that twenty twenty uh, whatever World Cup. Stephen Moore turning out for they've, Saudi they've Arabia. The hosting rights. They've won the hosting rights with their oil money, and now Stephen Moore is the face of. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. much for Falau and stuff turning back out for Tonga. You got Stephen Moore oh, well, making a dramatic return for Saudi Arabia. Tell you what, Falau this morning, well, last yesterday for uh, what was what's the team in Japan he's playing for? Oh, uh, Cameron Embry. bagged a double there. Looked pretty good. He bagged a bloody good double. Yeah, he was on fire. Anyway, um, so yeah, George Gregan, of course, um, over. a over 130 caps for the Brumbies, again, one of their most highest cap players of all time. And same for Australia as well. So, fantastic player. And he was also great in this game. And then, of course, alongside him, number 10 jersey, Stephen Larkham, who's now in a coaching role, of course, and um, a very famous name, especially in the Brumbies. He's only ever played for the Brumbies in Australia, over 120 caps. And again, in Australia for the Wallabies, over 100 caps as well. And... Um, He's now the head coach or senior coach, I believe, of Munster. So there you go. Um, he, was, he was the coach of the Brumbies for a while. Um, had a pretty pretty good success with them. Didn't win, but got pretty close. And um, he was the attack coach last year or two years ago for the Wallabies. So he's certainly making his mark in the coaching world. And uh, he was fantastic in this game. We'll talk about him later. But just such a calm, cool, collected uh, sort of individual, wasn't he? Kind of the exact thing the Crusaders could have done with from the get go. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Um, and then, of course, just going in numbers um, to Mark Gerrard on the left wing. Um, he was fantastic. Um, and he was uh, also a player that I didn't probably remember too much about, but um, God, he had some pace. And um, actually, I remember he did play for the Rebels in 2011. Um, I remember that name for some reason. I realized he actually played for the Rebels in 2011 and 2012, actually. Uh, he came back, so that was a bit interesting. But uh, mostly played for the Brumbies and uh, a few caps for the Wallabies in there as well. But, God, he was great in this game. Such yeah, a speed. I'll set. save my comments for the game because there's a fair few of him, fair few of them about it. Yeah, exactly. Matt Ghetto was in the 12 jersey um, inside center and uh, his preferred number, I suppose. And... Um, Probably a young ghetto, a very young ghetto, actually, I'd say. This is what, ooh, I'd say he would have been well, probably oh, early 20s. Um, thoughts, actually. He played well into yeah. the mid-2010s, like for the, for the Wallabies. Was that the this 2015 actually, World um, Cup, actually, wasn't he? This was his second last season before he went over uh, to the Western Force. So if you remember back to when he went over to the Western Force, it was a bit of a controversial move in Australia, but... Um, he was an up-and-coming player at the Brumbies and very sought after, of course, playing for the Wallabies many times as well um, before he moved over to France, played for Toulon. But again, great player in this game and another one of the fingerless glove rockers, as we say. I feel like um, he still runs a mark over in America as well. Could be wrong with that. But yeah, he does. Still so he, um, he's just announced his retirement about mm, a few months ago, I suppose, um, into 2021. He... In his last game, he was playing for the is it the LA Gintis or something along those lines? No, yes, the, the Giltinis, mate. Giltinis? Some uh, guy, bloke, um, some bloke bought two LA teams and named them both after alcoholic drinks. Well, there you go. There you go. What's the other one, Martinis? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> they're not at, they're, 
his name was Adam Gilgrist, not the Australian cricketer, but some other bloke with the same name, and he just mixed his name with a cocktail and was like, you know what, this will do as a name for a rugby team. Well, how about we buy, um, we should put our money together and buy a club in, in America and call it bloody, I don't know, the Los, the San Francisco Tequila Sunrises or something. Oh, you're tough, mate. Dobro. Surely you got to get Dobros in there. <laughs> yeah, well, what am I thinking? It should be the uh, Atlanta Double Browns or something. Well, probably <laughs> no. shouldn't you'd, say you'd that, should say I? It. <laughs> it's probably a bit racist. Um, <laughs> we're talking about the beer, of course. Um, anyway, uh, getting off topic. Um, Joel Wilson in the number 13 jersey outside centre. Not James Wilson, as Wikipedia yep, will tell I you. Not James thing. Wilson. Um, when I was doing the write-up for James Wilson on on your behalf, um, it, it says on James Wilson's Wikipedia that he played for the Brumbies in the final as an outside centre. But I can assure you it's not James Wilson from Southland. Yeah. Actually fact, reached out to James Wilson himself to confirm this. We're like, we we're to. not going crazy, are we? <laughs> yes, he confirmed it. So it was not him. It was actually Joel Wilson, who's also a great player, uh, centre in this particular game, of course. And, um, yeah, the only one in get... the 15 who didn't get capped for the Wallabies. But... Yeah, he's probably the least experienced player in the team. Um, had a couple of key plays throughout the game, but not too many caps for the Brumbies. He... Played four or five seasons, but um, I think he was uh, potentially a league player before that, um, if I'm not incorrect. Oh, I couldn't tell you, but I thought he was a very solid operator in this game anyway. Number 14 jersey uh, on the wing, Clyde Rathbone, one of my favourite players um, yeah, from Brumbies. say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, he's a great player from the Brumbies era. Underrated as. Um, quite a few caps for the Brumbies. He went away in 2009, came back in 2013 for a couple of seasons and he was fantastic. He's um yeah one of the most respected players in the team. They used to apparently they used to call him Rattle Bones because uh, he would make your bones rattle. There you go. Oh, um, so there's a fun fact for you. <laughs> he uh, retired in, in 2014. He's actually he's an entrepreneur now. Runs his own business. So there you go. Um, he was a great player. Although in this game, probably wasn't firing on all cylinders from what I would gather. Right, yeah, um, not much really goes his way, but we'll get no. on to that. Final player in the 15 and one of the most famous names in Canberra, probably still to this day, I would say, and definitely one of the um, most ta- most talented wingers or fullbacks in this case uh, of his era, Joe Roth, of course. Mm, yeah. and, As the commentators uh, don't let up throughout the game, he is one of their favourite sons and he is playing in his last game for the Brumbies. He was, he was. He was moving Every touch to of the... his is pretty much them going on about, oh, it's the final time he's going to do this exact touch. Yeah. The crowd did love him, to be fair. He sort of reminded oh, me of a yeah, bit of a... He was a class player. A bit of a, a New Zealand... Uh, sort of a, an Australian Ben Smith, wasn't he? Yeah, he was sort of solid operator. Didn't look like he was anything too flash, but just made good decisions. Had a very good kicking game as well. Fantastic. He was goal-kicking this game as well, um, which we'll talk about some, which is sort of interesting, I guess, when you got Larkham and uh, Ghetto on the field. Yeah, but, um, you know, Larkham wasn't much of a goal-kicker, but Ghetto certainly nah, was. So. Ghetto certainly was. Um, so there you go. Uh, and th- yeah, this was his last game, as you mentioned, before he went over to Japan to play for the um, Kubota Spears. Oh. So yeah, uh, Joe Roth, and he's one of the top try scorers of all time for Australia um, and definitely one of the top of all time for the Brumbies. So there you go. Um, so we'll quickly run through the bench. Um, not yeah, it has been too names. long on them. Yeah. Um, I'll just run through them in, in numerical order. We had David Pellavi in a 16 jersey. Guy Shepard, uh, Shepardson in the 17 jersey. David Giffen, who I think came on throughout the game at some point in the 18 jersey. 
Yeah, uh, every one of the bench got on for at least a minute yeah. or two. So, Johnny Tawaki and a 19 jersey. Uh, Matt Henjack in the 20. Mark Bartholomew in the 21 jersey. And uh, Lenny Beckett was rounding that squad up in the 22 jersey. Uh, coached by uh, David. Not. Yeah, coach oh, yeah. was David um, Nukafora as well, um, if I yeah. pronounced that correctly. I believe I have. I mean, not as much experience on the pine, but. No. I know Bartholomew and Hinjack were pretty solid players who had impact. Yeah, Bartholomew. David Pallavi, the only guy in there without a Wikipedia. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to have to do a bit of research who this guy is. It turns out he you might have to create a four Wikipedia or five form. seasons for the Wallabies. Oh, not for the Wallabies, four or five seasons for the Brumbies and then got injured and was forced to retire early. Bugger. Bugger. Bit of a shame. You might, have to, um, you might have to make one for him. Poor guy. No, I know. Definitely. And I know uh, Bartholomew's has been suggested a fair bit. Mm. I mean, it's a standout right. name, if nothing else. It's a it's a difficult name, but I I certainly can pronounce it now. I think after you smashed it. <laughs> right, uh, All right. Run through the opposing yeah, fifteen, the New Zealand Crusaders, as the commentators <laughs> like to refer to. But of course, yes. we all know they're uh, Canterbury. Um, in the front row, yeah, David Hewitt, Tony Cobolani, and Brig Somerville. Of course, Hewitt and Somerville both in the All Blacks for a fair bit. Cobolani, not such a strong point, but definitely wouldn't let you down. Uh, yeah. In the locking uh, middle of the pack, you had Brad Thorne and Chris Jack. Of course, Brad Thorne was legend, chopping and changing between league at this point. I think this is his last season before he went over to league for a bit, and then came back about two thousand eight. Yep, that's so, right. Yeah, but I mean, absolute brick shit house. You would not want to mess with him or Jack for that matter. Uh, loose trio was Reuben Thorne and McCaw on the flanks, which, I mean, that is the Crusaders' flanks for some time. And then Sam Broomhall at eight, which, I mean, not a bad player in his own right, but when you compare it to the ones around him, he's not got as much going on. Number nine, everyone's favourite commentator, Justin Marshall. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but I have a few notes on Marshall throughout the game because, good Lord, is he a shithouse. Yeah, he's he's pretty good, isn't he? I haven't watched that many games, obviously, with him in it, but this was a great one. I mean, it's not necessarily the best player in the world, but God, he's a halfback. If I've ever seen yeah. one, he just gets involved in all the niggles and doesn't let. Of course, uh, from your region as well. No, I got on Matoda. What a guy! What a place. <laughs> um, then number ten uh, was a bit of a. Shocking selection for me, actually. I knew he was in the yeah. Crusaders, but I forgot he'd started, let alone started in the final. That was Cameron McIntyre. Yep. Of course, as the commentators alluded to, yeah. um, Robbie Deans and Andrew Murdens must add a bit of a fallout throughout the season. So McIntyre got the nod for a lot of the campaign. He couldn't, yeah. And the commentators were very, very much flabbergasted by that decision, especially once Murdens came on and show, showed everyone what he was. Yeah, able I mean, to provide McIntyre definitely not a bad player. I think he went over to France no. and had a very good career over there, but he's not so, Andrew yeah. Meridans, is he? No, he's not. Now in the midfield, you had Aaron Major in thirteen, which is fairly stock standard, and then Dan Carter in twelve, which at this point in time was coming through as a young second five. So. Yeah, 
And I saw the question popped up the other day, actually, if Carter had stayed at 12 rather than moving to 10, do you reckon he would have become world-class there? Oh, I think so. Um, he brought a lot of ability to run with the ball, which I guess would have been perhaps more showcased at the 10 position, but still possible at 12. I mean, I guess I can't really comment too much on his defense because I haven't seen him play that many games at 12. Um, but it doesn't seem to be terrible in this game, although yeah. defense in this game in general is shot. But um, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. He was a good goal kicker at this time. Fantastic goal oh, kicker, yeah. actually. Just a um, quality all-around player, as you said. Just what what do you think? Do you think he would have? I think he would have been same... pretty class. I don't think he would have had the same career by any stretch, though, because Nono yeah. was coming through a few True. other. I mean, it would have either bumped Nono out of the fray or Conrad Smith, or would have been interesting. You might have, had, you might have had your first choice ten being someone else. Maybe old yeah, what's I mean, his face with the big legs. Maybe Nick name? Evans would have stayed around. Or, oh. Yeah, we got old Fies McAllister. Yeah, McAllister. <laughs> Good lord, he had three trunks on him. Did he what? Um, um, so yeah, that was your midfield. On the wings, you had Caleb Ralph, an absolute stalwart of the Crusaders, someone who I always think of as a bit of a battler, but he's got an incredible try-scoring record. A lot of caps as well for the Crusaders. Yeah, and one cap for the Reds as well. Interesting. Okay. I think he went over there Weird. kind of after he retired-ish. It's a bit of a... Yeah. This is a strange one. And then 14 was oh, I know, a player that everyone loves looking back at because he was electric with ball in hand if he could actually catch the thing, which was few and far between. But that was Marika Vunibaka. Yeah. But he didn't do a heck of a lot this game, but I know in his locker he had some special plays. Speaking of uh, people who couldn't yeah. catch. Yeah, number 15. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say one good note about him, Ben Blair, because to be honest, there's not any good notes about him to say throughout the rest of the game. But <laughs> he was a good player, especially when he went over to Cardiff. He was quality, was involved in that infamous penalty shootout, which we're going to have to rewatch oh, was one he? day. That um, was good. Actually, I believe still holds the record for most points on an All Blacks debut. I think he got 37 against Ireland A, which. Don't know Jeez. who was involved in Ireland, eh? Probably no one particularly good, but still, he got 37 <laughs> points against them. That was all he'll take it. Oh, yeah, why wouldn't you? Um, then on the bench, we can run through that fairly quickly. You had Corey Flynn, pretty young at this point. Chris King, Ross Filippo, also very young. Johnny Leao, Jamie Nutbrown, bit of a ref nowadays. Forgot he was a decent quality player in his day. Andrew Merton's in 21, which, as we said, was. Interesting. And Casey Lawala in the 22 jersey. Then mm, okay. one last note before we get on to the kickoff and get on to our first massive moment about 30 seconds into the game. Uh, just our first note on the commentators, really. Notice when they're going through the Brumbies lineup, all they did was half on about how good Stephen Larkin was for a minute or two. Like, Fair enough, he's class. <laughs> yeah. got, to, got to the Crusaders and they're like, Oh, Coppolani, Brunehaller weaknesses, McIntyre's a weakness, so is Ralph Moody Barker and Major Ben Blair. Carter's out of position. I'm like, they've literally listed seven of their players as weaknesses and not said a positive thing on one. Like, <laughs> clearly shows what they think of them. Oh, that's I mean, yep. 
about I the think, 15 in particular, they weren't necessarily wrong that Ben Blair was a bit of a weakness. As we'll, well, no, I don't think so. Um, so with that said, I guess, should we get kicking into the uh, the kickoff? Yep. Stay tuned for this because it won't be long and we're talking about something. <laughs> you wanna, yeah, well, I guess the first, first kick of the, of the day, Crusaders uh, do kick it off and they regain it, which is... Which yeah. is good from them, good start. Uh, but unfortunately, McIntyre loses it immediately. Yeah, George um, Smith straight in there with an early turnover. Yes, fantastic from him. Thought, oh yeah, reasonable start from both teams. We'll settle it down with a touch finder or something now. But yeah. what happens from there? Well, like him as you said, said to himself, "Oh yeah, we'll settle it down." Kicks it downfield, almost, almost goes out. And, it would, and if it did go out, it would have been a fantastic kick. It would have been a fifty twenty-two. Yeah, uh, today. just along the touchline, and but it didn't just stay in. And I don't know really how really it didn't go out, and it was the bounce then, the brutal bounce of the, of the rugby ball, and, uh, and somehow, ultimately, that's it's yeah. in the twenty-two. It should be fairly easy for a fullback to scoop up because he had time, didn't he? But he did. He did have time. What's happened? It's um, it's sort of he's sort of gone to catch it, but as he's done so, it has bounced in the complete opposite direction. And into the hands of, was it Joe Roth? I think it was straight yeah. into the hands of Roth, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know if you saw what Blair actually tried to do as well. He tried to just kick it out straight from the ground and just, yeah, he's gone over the top of the ball. Yeah. Not even tried to yeah, like, yeah. pick it up. It's just it's ridiculous. And as the, you said, commentators Roth couldn't believe, Commentators couldn't believe their luck, could they? I don't think um, anyone could. But yes. It is the crowd, the teams. Joe Roth scooped it up and went over in the corner. And scored in the first minute, and uh, probably mean, less than a minute actually. Yeah, thirty-four seconds in was when Rock wow. dotted the ball down. Wow. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Blair doesn't want anyone really talking about this more than it needs to be, but you've probably all seen wow. the moment. It's definitely not one he wants to keep on his highlights reel. Well, I wonder what which one he thinks is worse, this one or the one we'll talk about later. But um, oh, yeah, I mean, perhaps we'll oh, talk about that. I, I think this one's pretty bad because of the timing on it, really, 30 seconds in. I think this one's more understandable, though, because of the bounce of a rugby ball. Like, yeah, could, you can see like, what he was see trying. How, yeah, but still. Anyway, Joe Roth um, converts his own try, and we're up, and they're up 7-0 um, almost within, like you said, less than a minute. So yeah, Converts it from the sideline as well. A great nudge. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Um, I guess... The kickoff again from the Crusaders. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. And um, the Brumbies claim it's near the 22. Some more sort of high-pressing, um, you know, energetic work from the Brumbies to start off with again. And again, they're, they're back at it. And um, Gregan essentially passes it straight out near the 22 to Smith, I believe it was. And then he gets did it out you, to Gerard. Did you see what happened before this uh, Gerard play? Before no, the uh, Brumbies got the ball, did you realise who trucked the ball back up and um, made the Brumbies grab it? Our mate Ben Blair. Great ball oh, the counter, Blair. Took it up. Throws one of the worst offloads I've seen. It's straight to ground. And as you said from there, uh, yeah, the Brumbies were into a gallop, as the commentators said. So <laughs> I love a great were. horse pun early on. Yeah. yeah from there, you can run us through what happened once Gerard got his mitts on the ball. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, Gregan out to Paul, um, who then got it out to Smith, and then he got it out to Gerard, who 
man, he actually had a decent turn of pace, didn't he? Oh, he uh, just didn't side. have to stop. He had belted back from about 10 metres behind and not checked his run at all. He just yeah. hit it at full tilt. Yeah, it wasn't checked. Straight into the left-hand side, scored. Lovely try. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was good passing. But, like you said, another error from the Crusaders that allowed them to get into that position. But they were certainly pressing hard at this point. A lot of energy yeah. straight off the bat. I think Rodriguez Samo was leading the charge there too. I think he made a big press and um, made a good hit on Carter at some point. Yeah, Samu, he had great plays throughout this first period, um, all throughout the first half, I guess. But if you remember back to when the Crusaders, I mean, it's still sort of the case now, but everyone sort of had this um, saying that the Crusaders always start slow and they build into the game, which which did happen in this game, definitely. But I think the Brumbies had that in their mind that they wanted to go out and just put as many points as they possibly could. Yeah, you could tell they were trying to pile the pressure on like right yeah. from their defensive line and oh, it worked. Two tries no, inside three minutes. But but they, they had to. I mean, let's be honest. If you look at the end scoreline, um, they had to take every opportunity they, they got. They they oh, wouldn't yeah. have been able to miss any of them. They so, wouldn't have won um, the game to go on for 10, 15 more minutes, would nah. they? Would have been so, yes, they won. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, yeah, you're right. They had to take every chance they got. And, um, again, conversion from Roth, but this time he's missed it just, just wide. Um, oh, so yeah, was, I'd already written down in my notes he'd got it over, but then I'm up. No, it's just faded. No, I think he just missed, I think he missed two conversions. Um, maybe it was just the one conversion he missed. I think he might have missed a penalty or a couple of penalties as well. But 12 nil at five minutes, not a bad scoreline for five minutes, is it? I mean, it's a dream scoreline for any Australian. In a final. An, an absolute nightmare for anyone from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. If you're a Crusader, you see some finals where 12 points is all you get in the game. Yeah, I know. 12 points know. after five minutes. What about 9-3 for the South and Stags? I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's it. 7-6 <laughs> for, oh no, what was it? 8-7, the World Cup eight, final. 8-7, yeah. Um, I watched a game so of 6 nil ones as well, actually. Like. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those. Crazy, eh? Um, what was the next point you had there? I just had the Samo steal from uh, the line-out. I mean, that was probably the next big thing. Had Ben Blair doing a Ben Blair clearly shook up at this point and decides yeah, was, oh, I won't run it this time I'll kick it he was yeah. overcooks it completely he was jittery wasn't he he was nervous yeah I think commentators uh, throwing in a nice happy birthday mum in there so I love that shout out and then gotta love that yeah I mean it, as you said the Samo steal but like I need to talk about the Samo steal a bit more than just leave it at that because it is one of the I've talked about some bad lineouts, but this is probably the worst I've seen in some time. Yeah, like, it was straight. Crusaders to just dropped their whole oh, well, eight forwards back, probably ten fifteen meters. Clearly looking for a long lineout. Brumbies don't read it and they're stuck on the five. And Coppolani just pops it straight up to Samo at the front. So he's got a <laughs> clean wee breakaway for ten meters or so. I'm like, what on earth has happened here? Yeah, it's no good. It was quite, it was quite nice to see that. Um, oh, yeah, no, I think it was. It was cool to see Samo just ranging, and I just yeah. wondered how the heck that actually happened. Larkin was playing well at this point as well. Some great kicking from him. And some, oh yeah, pretty much every time he collected. got fed the ball, he would just make a good decision, pin the Crusaders back, and yeah, the way their good. set piece was operating, it was well not just their set piece, the way everything was operating for them at this point. 
Yeah, his general play kicking was was fantastic. Um, Tally was really targeting Ben Blair throughout the game. He knew he had the yeah, jersey. He certainly mm. was. Yeah, Blair stood up for a few of them, but he was just getting bombarded. They needed someone really confident under the high ball, didn't they? Um, almost like an Israel Folau, but um, <laughs> they didn't have one in this particular game. Um, and I guess the next point would be a Dan Carter penalty miss. Would you agree? Yeah, At eight minutes, I mean, nine, eight, nine minutes in, he's got a long range penalty to be fair, about forty five out. It was, yeah, it was, it was a, a chance to kind of swing, well, sit all down a bit and swing the tide back their way, but no, it doesn't miss by much. But you can tell he really didn't hit it well. Yeah. It was, so you know um, Carter's got at least 50 in his locker, and this one barely scraped. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's it always looks funny to me. Obviously, he's a left-footed kicker, which, I mean, he's very accurate, but it just sort of looks like it's, it's just the range always often falls off a wee bit. But uh, as we know, he can certainly kick 50-plus because he's done it just, before. Yeah, all about in South Africa in particular, he's kicked some absolute belters. Yeah. But, yeah. but not in this case. Um, anyway, that's that was a missed penalty, so a missed opportunity there. So it remains at 12 now. Yeah. Uh, but not too many minutes yeah, later, not there was for another. long, because Radiki Samo me. got himself involved again and smoked McCaw. And he did. the ball spilt loose and led to another scoreline change, which, uh, if you want to run us through, because. Yes, my Lord, can, is it a scorcher of a try? It's probably my favourite try this game. Oh, I would that say. is my favourite try. And I, I um, forgot this one. As, happened. You, it was, as you said, Samo teaching McCaw a bit of a lesson, eh? Um, and probably not the first time as well. Might weird. Yes, absolutely. Probably not the first time Samo and McCaw have met. Definitely not the first time. But in this case, he did teach him a lesson. And uh, once the Brumbies had possession, George Gregan picked it up uh, at about ten minutes into the game uh, from a ruck and just belted it straight to Gerard again on the left-hand side. You thought the last time he got a bit of a run-up to it, this one was even more like... Oh, this was great. This is probably... I don't know where they were, probably about halfway or so. It was great. Sprints on time. It's not going to be stopped. This this time he was somewhat stopped, um, and he decided to to uh, give it back to to Gregan, um, which was probably the right decision, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you've got someone as smart as Gregan, he's going to know what to do with it. And then Gregan, who probably wouldn't have made it himself either, just laid it inside to Paul, Jeremy Paul, who went over for a fantastic try. The best one yeah. of the game. particular reason why uh, George Gregan wouldn't have made it himself too was Justin Marshall was his first act of shithouser. He's just grabbed Gregan a while before the ball we got to him. <laughs> but, I mean, Gregan clearly wasn't phased. He still assisted a worldie of a try. Yeah, it was fantastic. Great thinking, great passing. And um, again, the pace of Gerard, which really assisted this try substantially. Oh, that's, I just I couldn't get over how quick he looked. Like, Vooney Barker so was very suspect on defence, but he's very quick. And he was never even in the picture. Nah, nah. Mm. Um, Roth I mean, converts the this one. Oh, yeah, as you said, Roth converted it. He certainly did, and then it was uh, the commentators actually admitted that uh, there might have been a knock on in there. Well, two of the three did, and then Kearns was yeah. like, "Nah, no chance, no knock on." So, <laughs> Phil Kearns, fans, Phil Kearns. Yeah, there's a, there's a few there's a few comments like that throughout the game, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, but of it course, without my the... first uh, piece of 
expert analysis from the commentators too. There was a few of these throughout the game, but my first line that I just had to write down was uh, Jeremy Paul had his hand in the air there. He didn't want to go to the toilet. He wanted to go over for a try. <laughs> well, it's a fantastic way to describe it. <laughs> What leads to you thinking of that, I don't know, but I think they they probably got away with a lot more in 2004. If you think about it, like oh, I just love how casual they are about it. Yeah, it's very PC today and very sterile. The um, commentary because that's what they're told to be like, I guess. But back in the day, they were a bit a bit silly, weren't they? Um, But it was quite funny, entertaining though, didn't it? Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, Roth converts, and in 19 nil, 12 minutes out. So yeah, and the commentators are already kind of calling for Andrew Burdens to come on. Oh, the the Crusaders literally hadn't got the ball yet, and oh, they won. Nice quarter of an hour up, and forty-one points down. (laughs) Not a good start. And then, um, I guess, if you want to talk us through the next major point in this exciting first twenty minutes, I mean. Not a major point, but I had a point where Crusaders finally got some ball and then the water boys were yeah. on the paddock doing something. <laughs> and you just saw the two or three of them just scramble off in all different directions. So I thought that was quite entertaining to see them clearly in a panic. There was uh, a bit of casual casualness about it, wasn't it? 2004, not quite. You know, they still had the baggy shirts to some extent. And um, the, the TV quality was fairly average. The broadcast quality was, but it's quite. It just felt quite authentic, you know? It's just, just something quite, um, like, a bit more wholesome about it, a bit more of a like, <laughs> yeah. fan yeah. feel to it. But it yeah, the nice. next big play about 17 minutes and I thought the tries had slowed down. I thought we were good, but no. The last try I thought was my favourite, actually. I got it confused with this one. This one was my favourite. Uh, Mark Gerard once again, has scored a try, but not so simple. George Smith bagged another turnover, as he was doing all day. Sal's a dummy, which I think McIntyre bought like nothing else. He fed um, Radiki Samo, who just is the classic, you know, classic big boy running in a, in a touch field, ball in one hand, just one throwing hand. it over the top of everyone's head, toying with him. And then he just pops get it back low. to Smith, who for some reason, and I would never get why, but for some reason he just puts it onto the left boot and chips it into the end goal. And yeah, well, with how quick we've already seen Mark Gerard is, he's... First one there, and he scored another fantastic try. So that was incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone's shell shocked at this point. Seventeen minutes in, Roth converts another, so it's twenty six nil already. Like, what yeah. is going on? Uh, no one would have predicted that. I mean, yes, the Crusaders were known for starting early, supposedly, uh, starting slow, but um, twenty six nil. That's not starting slow. That's just getting hammered in the first. 17 minutes and something had to change with the defense and well it did change fairly soon after but um we'll talk about that as we as we get to yeah, it not quite soon enough though because there was no, time for another not, <laughs> not soon enough at all and uh straight off the kickoff the ball goes out to larkham who runs through a massive gap and hands it straight to joel wilson not james wilson joel wilson <laughs> who continues for, uh, towards the line and feeds it beautifully. No, he wasn't going to make it himself. There was a bit of defense. Yeah, Carter too. did pretty well to get back and look yeah, like he'd he, close him down. It was quite fast, Carter, in his day, of course. And, um, yeah, he didn't quite make it. So he feed it inside to Ghetto, who was screaming on his inside. And Ghetto just got tapped on the ankle, but smartly dived early and slid over yeah. under the posts. 
for a great mm. try. And then the commentator summed it up pretty well, really. They said, well, how are the Crusaders going to get back into the game now? Well, I can go straight to the hole and they yeah. just simply say, not that way. The thing about that try, it was like almost slow motion. Larkin isn't the fastest of guys, but he's because he's very tall. But he has, um, he just had that sort of that calm coolness about him. He just sort of had time. Yeah, yeah he went through the gap. One of those players that just whatever he did, he had time on the ball. Yeah, and he did. He fed it straight out smartly to Joel Wilson, who was had a bit more pace. And then um, inside the ghetto, who and as was mentioned, his, you could have fit a couple semi trucks through the hole that Larkin went through because oh, I don't know where it came from. He just kind of it was, went in a straight yeah. line, and next thing you know, he very was shaky the hole. defense. Very shaky. Almost defense, a bit like but, good old rugby, oh, you know, kick to the nine or ten, <laughs> and there's always that same gap. He's just gone straight through there. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bit like that actually. Um, but no, it was a good try from Ghetto and a, a bit of a picture perfect moment with him with his fingerless gloves just straight under oh, the post. Yes. Lovely no, they make a good one. If you thought Ashley Cooper's photo from the other final was good, I'm sure this one was <laughs> topped by the fingerless. Yeah. Of course, it was yeah. under the post, so Roth converted it as well. So it was thirty three nil. I mean, Roth converted it, but the commentators thought uh, they might as well take the piss a bit and get Sama to go and poke the ball over. It's becoming I would put it past him. He could probably yeah, drop maybe. it over. Oh, it's almost becoming a bit like whoever scores the try goes and takes the conversion sort of thing. It's, well, that's what it should be. I reckon 33-0 after 19 minutes. They're not just beating the clock. They're giving it an absolute walloping. Yeah, it was um, it was hugely impressive for this point. I mean, I don't think anyone would have imagined that. They were a defend- They were a, certainly an attacking team, and one had, who had put a lot of points on other teams throughout the season. Um, you know, they scored a lot of tries. I mean, there was one game against the Highlanders, if you remember that one. Well, you probably don't remember it, but neither do I really. But on Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, um, it was a 50 to 18 against the Highlanders in Canberra. So they, they were known for putting a lot of points on teams in this season. Um, and points from tries that weren't rolling moles as well. So yeah, watch they definitely are, watch a bit of Brumby's side to watch. I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. And it was just great running rugby to see. So certainly a fantastic team. In, 20, in 2004, uh, the Brumbies. But yeah, 33-0. Um, and I think the Crusaders uh, get a penalty shortly after this, don't they? Uh, yeah, well, that's I probably mean, the next point I had. They kind of have their first real bit of looking like doing something as Caleb Ralph goes through a bit of a half hole. And they get a penalty, which I think yeah. at that stoppage, they bring Andrew Merritons on. Somewhere Finally, around yeah. there anyway. About 23 Just- minutes in, so... I think they kick it into touch um, for a five-meter yeah. line-out. And so then McIntyre wasn't on. necessarily bad, but no. they had just to didn't try something else. Yeah, he just didn't spark what they needed. And as yeah, soon as Mertens came on, the commentators sort of blasted uh, old Robbie Deans for for not um, bringing him on as a starter. So I think you're right. There might have been a bit of beef, perhaps. Uh, who knows, going on behind the yeah, scenes. I mean, he definitely added that spark they needed straight from the get-go too. Like He played like I hadn't really seen him play before. He constantly took the ball to the line and was always looking for an attacking option. He was just he was definitely trying to get them back in the game. Didn't necessarily yeah, work definitely. out for a while, but he was trying. The line-out obviously from Marshall after the line-out, but you can talk us about the line-out. Yes, you can talk about talk us uh, through the, the shithousery after the lineup, but it was a pretty straightforward lineup. So the Crusaders uh, did did come out with it, but um, nothing major came out of this particular move individually. But yes, tell us about the Marshall. 
I mean, he flew a wee behind the back pass in there at some point. It wasn't really needed, but you know, you got to do it when you're wearing the nine on your jersey. But the main one <laughs> yeah. I saw was he didn't ruck someone. He instead just walked straight over the top of them. Like could have easily stepped around them, over them, but no, he just walks on them, just dwarling two, like three steps over them. Like fair enough. Wouldn't yeah, be picking on but- the big boys if I was you, but as we saw throughout the match, not even throughout the match, as we saw about 30 seconds later, he did not care one bit because there was some fifty cuffs between McCaw and Larkin and yeah, Marshall gets straight in there. There was a bit of back and forth and I quite enjoyed it actually. It was a bit of an oh, old-fashioned yeah. affair. Actually gets um, one of my first uh, Dick of the Day nominations here. So oh, yes. So yeah, fifty cuffs as we said. I think McCaw and Larkin started it. Marshall straight in there. Somehow on the side, Gregan and someone else here and there, and we tussle like well away from anything else. But the riff was actually my favourite thing in this whole thing. It's kind of settled down, it's broken up. He calls over Brad Thorne for some reason. Someone who okay. had not done a thing asks him what he was doing, and Brad Thorne simply says, oh, I was coming over to help my mates. So fair <laughs> play, got to back up the boys. But yeah, no, the riff was just not happy. Brings the Brumbies captain over, and he's like, "Right, if any of you kill the ball again, you're going walkies." <laughs> and as Classic. I thought, and then the commentators back me up on after. They're like, "Are they dogs? Are they getting a leash? <laughs> <laughs> Who uses the term walkies?" <laughs> you think well, I'm we, that, that's funny, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I just I loved it. Yeah, the yeah, um, riff was just very heated at that point. He was saying, "We need positive stuff." Just. He's yeah. not happy. But I, I thought the Brickman was right throughout the game. That wasn't too bad. Oh, no, I thought he was quite good, actually. He's Andre Watson. Very, uh, short man syndrome. Yes. There's quite a few of them in refereeing, isn't there? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the Crusaders had a pretty good period of position at this point, though, didn't they? They actually had yeah, some decent the next big thing I had was their period, so you can run us through what I've done in this. Yeah, they were back and forwards, um, sort of testing the Brumbies' defence. A few pick and goes here and there. Um, the Brumbies' defence it was holding out for the most part, but then the Saders got a scrum at about 28 minutes on the Brumbies' five metre, um, with their feet, of course. And um, nothing comes of that one initially, and then they get, I think they get a penalty off the off the back of that scrum, which leads to a line-out. And they pick and go off that line-out, and finally, Richie McCaw steps up, and picks it up and drives over the line for a try. Yeah. After all that kind of effort and fancy stuff, it was something very simple that got them over the line. Just it was very simple indeed. Goes. Just yeah. go slightly lower than the tacklers, which, as it turned out, was not that hard because the defense, no. as you mentioned, was pretty suspect. Yeah, it was. I mean, they held it for a while, but eventually McCaw found a way over reasonably easily, and um, Carter converted it. 33 points to 7. Still not. Still a great. massive mountain to climb. Um, and then it was at the 31-minute mark, so it was almost half-time. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was it. they would grab another try or hold well, out to half-time. But, you'd hope so if you were a Crusaders but, uh, fan. But, um, you would hope so, yeah. but Ben Blair was still on the paddock at this point. So <laughs> anything was possible. He wasn't helping. He was not helping. Um, but speaking of 31 minutes, a minute later, down the other end, the Brumbies should really have had another try, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, I think that was the first one they actually butchered a try, which was surprising because yeah. they'd taken every half chance. They should really have had another try here, and I think on another day uh, they would have expected their captain to 
to go over. But essentially, Samo, again, with some fantastic work. Um, I think winning the ball, perhaps, and then um, yeah, out to Gregan, I think it was. Um, yeah, something was like that? that. And then yeah. at some point, Rutherford put up an attacking bomb before they put to the try. And Yeah. I mean, as they was said, it was that's not the kick, and then McCord had been Blair and dropped it cold, but <laughs> didn't result in a try this time because – it was actually a really good tackle on Finnegan, to be fair. But it was. It was, but, but he really did butcher it. Like, he did. He had he, the ball he, literally he, over the line. He had scored for all money. Like, it was harder to not yeah. score. Uh, but he dropped the ball and couldn't dot it down. So well, Did you no see Dragon's wee droppy in here as well? They had a I advantage, did. So I quite enjoyed that. I thought goes backwards a few metres and tries a drop. I knew I knew you would have uh, picked that up, eh? <laughs> oh, I've got to mention any drop goal attempt. I mean, they were under advantage. Off so. the back of a ruck. <laughs> under advantage, you may as well have a shot, man. You know, you may as well. Um, but they it were was quite a while out. It wasn't, wasn't far away, but he was quite but a way back. So I didn't think he had the range 25 really. 25 out from near the touchline and you're running backwards as you kick it, I don't think it's going anywhere. No, but it didn't go far I mean, away. Gregan was a special player, so maybe. Yeah. But that was quite funny, wasn't it? Um, but of course, they were playing advantage, so they had the the ability to kick it into touch and have another shot. But in this case, they did not uh, did not result in the try. They didn't have any luck this time, um, which is probably the fir- one of the first times this whole game where they've been down so close to the line and not scored. So yeah, so maybe um, a sign of the game changing. Yes, I think so. What happened after that? So I think even Crusaders. George Smith made a wee error in there at some point. Yes, yeah. I think so. Um, then it was the you know, Crusaders who had some ball. Yeah. They strung together a few phases. They made another substitution in there pretty early as Corey Flynn came on, which oh, yeah. you'd have to have Saw a keen that. eye to recognise because he had no hair at this point in time. <laughs> I forgot the period where Corey Flynn was bald. Interesting. All right. But, you know, hey, huh? he came on pretty early, about 35, 36 in. What Gerard was going to run clear at one point again is he somehow got the ball in space down the left after, I think it was a 22. I wouldn't have been surprised. But yeah, I think he just kind of got stopped. Yeah, there was a try though, wasn't there, eventually? The, yeah, and as you said, the Crusaders got some phases and grabbed himself another try. So he run us through this. Yeah, so at the 36-minute mark and McCaw had a... A fantastic run. Another one, actually. He had a few good runs this game. Yeah, it's weird seeing McCaw, like, strong and ball in hand. He was good. Pretty anonymous on the defensive side of things. He was in this case, unfortunately. And uh, in this case, he had one one to beat, um, managed to beat him, and he got it out to to Marshall, who flings it out, and eventually it gets out all the way to the left to Aaron Major, who's the last man on the left-hand side, who scores in the corner. Pretty standard through the hands, of course. Oh, it should have been um, standard. I thought Vuni Barker had completely butchered it then by doing. He had. Well, only yeah. he could do best. Literally, um, I think he was second man in the back line. Just simple pass to him, and he drops it. Well, it looks like he. But drops he luckily it. bounces off his backwards. chest, yeah. taps it with his hand, and then just volleyball slaps it out. So yeah, it was he lucky very to get well. the major. It was very lucky to get the major, but it got there, and they got there in the corner um, for a try, which Carter. Fantastically converted um, yeah, right from the I think corner, it was which was no coincidence that since Murdens had come on, they looked like opening the brownies oh, up yeah. a bit more. They're attacking, um, I guess, their tactics on attack were just more 
unpredictable for the Brumbies defense and um, as a result they've scored two tries so yeah it was um, probably a, probably someone they definitely needed to have starting and I actually think Robbie Deans would certainly regret that decision surely because think about it they scored the Brumbies scored three tries without him or three or four tries without him on the field I'm not saying he would have stopped the tries I'm just saying they could have had a chance to score one of their yeah. own would have been interesting just yeah, to see if he'd sort of swung the tide. But some of them you couldn't have done anything about. Like no, Dean Blair, that's no. a mistake. A couple of the ones the Brumbies got were just fantastic. But, um, tries. Yeah, it might have helped them get a bit more ball in hand perhaps. I'm not yeah. sure, but who knows. Anyway, 33 points to 14 at this point. And so the Crusaders have clawed back a wee bit, which is nice. Yeah, it certainly did not um, look so bad. But, um, yeah, and at this stage, as you said, the commentators were really talking about the importance of Andrew Mertens and what sort of changes he has brought about. But um, they're also talking about Blair as well because he's just had, at this point, a, um, a really good run. And uh, he, I think it was about 39 minutes, he um, had a great run, but Samo just hangs on for a tackle. It was just before half time. And I reckon if it wasn't for the baggy jerseys, I don't reckon Samo would have hang on, been able to hang on. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if Blair actually went away with it. But um, anyway, that was pretty much half time at that point. Um, there wasn't really anything else to talk about, to be quite honest with you. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that's it for half time. All right, so let's move on to the second half. Um, if you want to talk us through the the first part of the second half, or I can uh, or I can start it off up to you. Oh, I can talk us through the first two minutes if you like. I mean, it should be a yeah. fairly innocuous opening two minutes or so, shouldn't it? Like, yes, I always you'd, you'd think had, so. Had time to regroup now. They look better at the last part of the second half. So, yeah, you know, they've kicked it off, and George Smith's doing his. Oh, actually, before even much happened, the commentators I thought they had blown their load completely. Like three at once, George Smith got the ball. It's getting tackled, and he puts in a grubber while he's doing it. Absolutely pointless. Wasn't getting anything. Yeah. Was a good bit of skill, I'll admit. But oh, I thought I was on the wrong website for a second there because it did not sound like something I should be seeing on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that happened. Yes, and then it was quite funny, wasn't it? Um, about a minute or so later, off that, the Brumbies get nearly Crusaders twenty-two. Larkin once again sticks up an absolute thunder twat of a bomb, just blatantly trying to pick out Ben Blair. And mm-hmm. it has worked an absolute treat. He's, he's copied what McCaw done in the first half, but somehow even worse, as he's dropped it cold on his own line. The ball's bounced, landed in the end goal, and Mark Gerrard's just simply dotted it down. For a hat-trick. Yeah, a hat-trick. And 42 minutes into a final, which is... Yep. Honestly, I forgot that was even his third until it got bought back out. The speed and of Gerard and the uh, unfortunately the lack of composure from Ben Blair, another error from him, and a hat trick to Gerard. So not yeah, a good man. start at yeah, all. Blair had had maybe one moment in the match where he looked like he was kind yeah. of threatening, but a lot into last half. two massive errors. Yeah. So I mean the bit. Both halves, um, the start was terrible from the Crusaders. Um, I mean, sure, so, if you've cut out the opening minute or two of each half, Ben Blair's solid enough. He's not great, opening, but he does a job. If you cut out the opening minute of both halves, the Crusaders would have won. Yeah. 
which is kind of crazy to think. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. But, but yeah, um, right in front, so of course, Roth kicked it, and I believe I don't actually, I bought it out to forty points to fourteen. Forty is, points. That's it. Hitting, seemingly hitting, a fairly unassailable lead, but and you, you'd probably know this. You'd probably know how many finals have reached the forty points mark in Super Rugby. Well, happy testing me. Um, well, the Bulls and the Chiefs, that was an absolute thumping. Yes, so that's one of them. Um, I don't think the Crusaders' Tars got over 40, did it? No, yeah, I don't under. think so. And I think that was one of I the think, next highest scoring. So. I think there's only been Honestly, three. Honestly, maybe only, yeah, I was going to say two, maybe three. I can't think of the third one. I think it was one of the early games in 1999, perhaps. I'll well, see, that's just far too back for them. I don't know. Would you have been able to name that? No, no, no. I, I I think there's a third. I'm pretty sure too. there's a third. I just don't know what it is. I should have well, just researched I'll, I'll it prior to you. <laughs> Maybe I'll be the quiz master next time, eh? Oh, um, Do you know who the oh, Wallabies oh. coach was at this time, actually? Because I forgot about it until it was brought up at this point after Gerard got his hat trick. Yeah, it was, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who used to coach Japan. Um, yeah, that's an certain, certain Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones, yeah. Yeah, I forgot he was Wallabies yeah. coach for a good period at this point. Yeah, he was for a while, actually. Um, he's done a lot of Man, he's coached a lot of teams. He's had some pretty good success, but also had some quite shite moments as well. <laughs> but, I mean, he's certainly an interesting character. Yes. Imagine him and Chica teaming up together. Good Lord. Oh, that wouldn't end well, I don't think. Um, anyway, so yeah, 40 points to 14. Um the Crusaders, then the next point will be the Crusaders who get a line out at 43 minutes. And this is another one of yeah. Samo's brilliant moments. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's just again menace at the line out, isn't he? May I point out again that the Crusade, uh, the commentators have possibly released their low for the second time? Um, oh, yes, like every time Samo does something, they are just loving it. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, like, it was actually before he even did the final part. They're always they're immediately like, oh. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's very good, but like <laughs> they were loving yeah. it. Uh, but essentially, yeah, what I mean, he did was he um, he grabbed the ball with one hand into the air and just sort of like literally just reached around the whole pack and just gave it to someone. <laughs> yeah, like he literally just had go go gadget arms. It was ridiculous, it was like something off the Incredibles or something. Uh, he does have massive hands, so I think obviously that aids with because he always he loves to hold the ball in one hand, but um. The fact Speaking that he was able to reach massive impact was... after that, Mark Gerard got a bit of a head of steam, and there was only even one man he would target with that head of steam. Yeah. Any guesses? Tell us about it. I mean, it's no major moment, but he's just ran straight into Ben Blair and only one oh, yeah. there. Blair's gone back a few metres. Gerard yeah. stopped after that, but poor old Ben Blair's day is not getting any better at this point. There was some good running from both teams actually in this period, wasn't there? Oh, yeah, that's kind of the next thing. A few kind of sloppy passes, but once they held the um, ball, there was a lot of good running. Yeah. I mean, some very good running, which led to eventually the Brumbies getting a line out on their own goal line, which should have been mm. fairly simple. Yeah. Well, was this before or after that Joe Roth penalty miss? Because there was a Joe Roth penalty miss in there somewhere. I can't even remember. About forty-six minutes or so. Ah, yes, now that's just before I think. Yep. Yes, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a we line out the Brumbies 
actually get it stolen by the Crusaders for once. And it looks like Marshall's going to go over for a try, but George Smith actually comes up with an incredible tackle. Basically straight off the line out, Marshall, all he had to do was really flop over. And Smith dove across and just knocked him back. And ultimately, they ended up holding the Crusaders out for good there. Um, yeah, there was a scrum at one point, and the Crusaders kind of tried an 8-9, but they involved the blind side somehow, so it was like an 8-9 with a 6 somehow crossing over. And it just looked horrible and did not result in anything. And, and yeah, Larkin threw a horrible pass from the base of the ruck, which Ditto cleared, and led to possibly my favourite commentary line of the day, actually. And this was just before the uh, penalty miss. Don't know if you called oh. it, but... Tell me, because I've got my favourites coming up. It's not this one, though. They described Ghetto's clearance as, well, the kick didn't have long blonde hair with makeup on, but it certainly got there. (laughs) One way to go about saying it was an ugly-looking kick, but I just love how Australian they are. (laughs) There was a funnier line after that, though, I reckon. Much funnier. Do you want to run us through from the uh, penalty onwards? Yeah, oh, so was, it, Joe, was it around the penalty actually? Because it was, was a wee funny. Just, it was just after, I think. But oh, the, yeah, it was a wee funny the Joe Roth penalty. The Joe Roth penalty miss. Are you talking about that? Um, oh no, I've, I've got one. Um, what minute? The Brumbies uh, Crusaders get marched back ten meters. Yeah, I was going to say my funny moments at the fifty-three minute mark. Um, it's certainly a dick of the day moment. I think. Well, I'll let you run us through that then if you want. So Samo, he goes down at 53 minutes. He goes down and no one knows why he's gone down. Uh, oh, but, yes, um, yes, a line. Yep, you can run us through actually, that and I'll run us through my thing. But actually he's gone down. Initially no one really knows why, but then the commentators say, I think it might be a bit lower down. And unfortunately for Samo, he has been hitting the balls. Uh, but the funny part about it is that the commentators, after they've said it's a little lower down, I think, Kenzie, he then goes, well, he's got a couple of kids, I think. <laughs> Again, like, you just don't hear that shit now. Oh, it's good. Is it to yeah, say, um, well, it doesn't matter because he's already got a couple of kids, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, so many good quotes from the columns this game. Uh, For once, we so can funny. actually have a laugh with them rather than just cringing. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. But anyway, that was my Dick of the Day um, nomination. Yeah, definitely a good one. Did you see Finnegan at one point as well when the Crusaders got the, when the Brumbies got the penalty? He decides to point at the sideline, gets a shot at goal. <laughs> and so he's just trying to fuck with Joe Roth and the ref, and everyone was very confused. The ref was laughing at off, but yeah, eventually it led to Roth having a shot, which I think, as you said, he missed. Yeah, he did miss that one. Um, so yeah, that was. That was funny. And then I think after that would be the, the main point would be just the Crusaders again attacking at the line. Um, and yes, and man. actually there was a huge, huge moment here in the context of the game. Ben Blair got subbed off. He did. Did the he Crusaders did have a fullback off. on the bench? Absolutely not. They had a number 13 in the form of Casey Lalala, but they made it mm. work. They did, but they had to do it because he wasn't performing uh, to, to the best of his abilities, I would say. I mean... Speaking of best of their abilities, we saw Justin Marshall's best ability about a minute later as he threw his first and possibly only dive pass of the match. So get my dive pass counter in for the game. Yeah, well, I thought he would have done more than that, to be honest. Um, but at least he got one in. That's, that all, that's all that counts. Um, but yeah, that was a 
an interesting point, but that, of course, that led to a try, didn't it? Yeah, eventually. There's some nice running from um, Kendall who made a good bit of impact. Flynn with some nice running off the ball to bump Ghetto off and send him flying, which I don't think was picked up by anyone, but I quite enjoyed that. And, yeah, eventually led to a try to Brad Thorne. Yeah, he couldn't stop him. Could not very stop similar him. to the McCool one, actually, in the fact it was pretty simple, just kind of a scrum and then some phases and another phase and forms ended up being too big and just kind of goes over in a tackle. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you're a Brumbies fan at this point, you're not getting nervous, but you're sort of being a wee bit weary because it's 40 points to 21 and Carter, because like, Carter obviously converts it. And then, um, but you're only at 57 minutes. So there's still yeah. 23 minutes left for the and Crusaders time to the score. Crusaders get down there, they seem to score yeah. fairly easily. Like, They've been scoring quite easily. So if I was a Brumbies fan at this point, I wouldn't have been nervous, but I would have been a wee bit weary that, um, you know. Yeah, and the tide started swinging a bit more as Brad Thorne did a Radikisamo and stole a line out pretty well. Didn't quite get the commentators so orgasmic, but uh, I was certainly happy with it. Well, speaking of Samo, he was actually subbed off at this point as well. Um, oh, yeah, so which was a fantastic a loss, actually. stint, a great stint for him this game. Now, he's definitely up there for Man of the Match nominations, which we will get to. Oh, but yeah, um, 100% one of the nominees. But I mean, he, a few um, other names have been flying around. What a fantastic. And I think he sort of solidified himself, not in this game, but later on in his career as a, a bit of a Super Rugby final specialist, um, would you say? A bit of a just big game player, really, wasn't he? Kind of just, well, not necessarily a big game player, just turned up with big moments on random occasions. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. He was off the field. Um, and then another penalty miss thereafter by Roth. So he actually had yeah. two sh- two shots at a penalty. That um, one was a lot tougher than the last, though. I understand. It was. That. It was, yeah. I mean, get it so, actually set that up with a nice wee tackle and then hack through, which I don't really know how he achieved. He kind of tackled Carter, got straight back to his feet, hacked the ball through. Looked like he would have scored, too, if he didn't kind of slip. But, yeah, well, I think he would have. Uh, but it was a bit of a, a let off for the Brumbies, but not that they yeah. really needed the points, but given how many tries the Crusaders were scoring in quick succession, uh, well, especially every time they were down at that end, it would have been nice to have those points, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, Corey Flynn was certainly given a fair few let-offs too. It's just about every one of his lineouts was supposedly not straight. I don't know how many of them actually were, but they were all called not straight. That's true. And then I guess in the 62-minute 60, mark, I would have a pretty big moment there, which I'd... We'd certainly oh, like to yeah, discuss. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec because, yes, that is certainly a bit of discussion. Had a uh, blatant forward pass in there at one point, which was not picked up, which is kind of just laboring <laughs> around in the 22, but I was all good with that. And it was another player who, I won't say their name, but the commentator said, so-and-so has had a rip-snorter of a game this evening. <laughs> so I loved hearing rip-snorter of a game. I wanted to see if you could guess who had supposedly had a rip-snorter of a game. Well, usually I'd say Arlie Williams, but um, <laughs> but in this case, I'm going to say Justin Marshall. Oh, it was uh, Jeremy Paul, apparently. I'm sure Justin Marshall's a bit of a snorter in uh, other ways, but <laughs> yeah, no, right. really, I thought I used rip snorter ironically. I didn't realize it was a thing that was actually used in professional commentary, but I'd love to hear it. Well, I don't think there is such thing as professional commentary at this point in, in time, 2004, in Australia. I think um, I prefer but, this commentary, though, yeah. 
<laughs> I quite enjoy Almost it. a bit like the ACC, but just not quite as ridiculous <laughs> as their level. I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, yeah. that 62-minute mark, that big moment, if you want to run us through what goes on there. About the first yeah, time we've well, seen G- Marika Vunibaker involved. Vunibaker's got his hands on the ball, and um, yeah, like you said, first time I've actually heard his name. And um, Gerard, who's played so well throughout the game, hat-trick uh, hat scorer, of course, tip tackles um, Vuni Barker. Doesn't really land on his head, but it, it, from a from the initial camera view, it does look quite nasty. Well, yeah, it's, it it's looks like he landed on his head. But I, this is the weirdest thing. And I, I can't understand it. The ref didn't even stop play. Because obviously the ref saw it and said, oh, well, he's not landed on his yeah, head. So well, we'll just it's continue. not just the fact he's like, not landed on he's picked him up and dropped him like he hasn't driven yeah. him back down he's picked him up vertical and just dropped him and the refs got through the refs head he's thought oh well he's not injured he's keep playing keep going but today not only the ref too but like the crowd didn't react too much nah. the commentators didn't this is it the, for about four or such five a minutes. big it's change kind of just like oh, and, yeah, and the commentators had quite enjoyed it they thought oh it was a, a good tackle almost like but yes. um but today that would have been a red card yeah, I immediately put well. That's the most blatant red I've seen nowadays. But I saw the replay. Would have I was back. I'm like, yeah, they could potentially discuss yellow. I guess if he landed on. No, the bat, it depends on the ref. Like, depends on the ref. But yeah, um, I mean, they would have talked themselves it. into a red. Yeah. yeah. But um, I couldn't believe they didn't even stop play. I thought it might have been a dangerous tackle and a penalty. Oh, I thought um, like, the touch judge would have come in with something like because you saw the touch judge come in occasionally with well, Justin Marshall a few minutes later. Well, yeah, but that, later, that but has to be there. that has to be the biggest change in world rugby since this game or this time, two thousand and four, and now it's just purely the involvement of both the TMO and also the um, detail in which they're looking at these types of incidents. You know, like I still think like the events. moment where it took a massive change has got to be that twenty eleven World Cup semi final at Sam Warburton yeah. tackle. I think that's kind oh, of yeah. a turning point yeah. for me. That's like the first big one we like okay, well also we're not accepting this anymore <laughs> from a medical point of view i think also with a lot of these players who are who are retired and they're seeing serious concussion impacts later in life um so it kind of makes sense but the fact that they didn't stop play for this is just kind of bizarre isn't it like, um, it's weird to see as like someone who's watched a lot of rugby in today's yeah. game like going yeah. back and seeing kind of how lenient the reefs are with things but anyway, um, the Crusaders were attacking well, um, and they were they were getting close to the line. At sixty six minutes, they were yeah. Marshall threw a great wee ball in there at some point, a nice offload in the tackle. It did. It was it was that the backwards pass, almost like behind the back. Oh, almost, or? Yeah, um, might have been that one. I know there was one where he kind of popped a wee offload in a tackle too. I can't remember how yeah, he did it, but there's a few of them. There was a few of them, yeah, and then the Crusaders were good runs. The Crusaders were driving it back, uh, driving it forward, and um, I think they ended up having a go, and it was carried back by a Brumbies player. So it resulted in a five-meter scrum to the Crusaders, um, which was a pretty good position for them to be in. Yeah, before the scrum, I, well, you wouldn't have seen it because it was off screen, but uh, cut to it, a replay of it after. Finnegan and Marshall, once again, having a tussle. Those two just loved a bit of fisticuffs, and I loved the yeah. way they riffed out with it. He just simply went over, right, are you finished? You two know each other now? And then just left it at that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's and then, fine. yeah, the five meter scrum. If we want to talk through what's happened off the five meter. Yeah, more occurs and the um 
the crusade is pretty much as a rolling mall, I guess, um, to some extent. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it's is a rolling weird. mall, but I forgot. Was that the one they set a rolling mall literally off the scrum? Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know how they managed The number eight picked it up, turned around, and they, I didn't think that was legal. But I don't, you know, I don't, no think, rolling it, mall I don't think it was, but it, it didn't look like an official rolling mall. That's the thing. It was sort of a hashed together effort, but it, was, it worked yeah. uh, because they went over. And now this is another dodgy call because you actually couldn't see the ball at all. And no, the ref no, couldn't I, see it. I was looking for it. Well, actually. I had a quick look, but there was uh, two other things that caught my eye a lot more than the uh, grounding, which I'll get onto in a sec. Yeah, well, they got over. The ref couldn't see it because none of us could either. So he's called for the TMO. The first time, I believe, in the game that he's called for the TMO. Um, of course, the TMO back in 2004 was a pretty rudimentary role. I it's, think that's um, all you could call it for was, well, just to check if ah, the ball was grounded. That's about I think so. It. But the bizarre thing was they called upon it but any of the angles that they showed the crowd and us watching, you couldn't see the ball at all. So yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly know how they've... But they have awarded the try, and to Chris King, no Yeah, no I have less. no idea how they picked up who scored it, but I was like, oh, Chris King, a rear meat pie for that guy. You've got to love it. Sure. You've got to love that. But um, I don't know how they awarded it, because they could assume he scored it, but they, didn't, they couldn't see the ball. So... Yeah. I mean, I didn't listen to what the ref actually asked, but did he say, give me a reason not to award it? Because that would make no, sense. I don't I think feel like he actually asked anything. I think he just said, check it. He didn't. He just said, check grounding, I think. Um, and then the TMO said, yeah, you can award the try. So mm-hmm. unless he had some sort of laser vision, which we didn't have access to, um, I don't know how he did that. But for the Crusaders fans, they won't be concerned about that because a try was awarded. Um, and Carter superbly another fantastic kick uh, from the close to the sideline and it was a 40 to 28 game at the 69th yeah, minute definitely getting back into the game now and the brumbies will be kind of on the edge of their seats a bit more did have yeah, a dick definitely. of the day nomination in there though i suppose i'll run through ultimately yes. not won it because of oh, i'll explain first was a the TMO checking, and the one time they've gone upstairs, it happened to be as McCaw and Broomhall both had their pants down in the middle of them all, so we got a nice <laughs> slow-mo view of their blue bloody yeah. smugglers for a wee bit. But the main one gracious. was the ref. Were you watching what the ref did as the... No. As it went? Oh, you probably saw the ref lying down, at, looking like he's trying to get a good view of the, what's going on. Yeah, I saw that. That was not intentional whatsoever. He runs around, and he slips. <laughs> and then, so, but he absolutely stalled out. He slipped and but made it look as though he was trying to. So I'm like, maybe that's I that's happened a few times. Points it? for that. Yeah, that's good. I like and the commentators poked it up too, which I was glad to see. But that's good. Um, yeah, there was only fine. about time for a little Vooney Barker charge off the ball, and then a minute after that, there was another huge moment in the game. Another try, which. One way or the other, it was going to have a big effect on who was winning the title. It was a beautiful yeah. try. Actually, my second favorite try in the game, actually. Um, I really enjoyed it. 71st minute as well. So we're getting close to the end of the game. And, of course, this try is actually to the Brumbies. So this, yeah. most people would have said this puts it to bed, which it, it did, but almost didn't. So um, do you want to take this one or do you want me to take it? Oh, I can take this one if you want. Yeah, it was sure. By the like the commentators have been half and on about all game. Brumby's favourite son, Joe Roth. Yeah. But it wasn't actually really Roth that kind of 
sparked it. It was, well, George Smith was involved once again as per kind of bit of hacky sack with the Crusaders and luckily falls to him. But good old Mark Beholomews, who was on at this point, he came on. Rathbone, I don't think, touched the ball all day, but he came on and <laughs> two or three times in the space of two minutes and made some he great did. runs, particularly this one. He grabbed it, kind of stepped inside a couple and fed Roth, who went in untouched and ran it round close enough to underneath the sticks. Uh, yeah, so double. That was, and yeah. uh, he became the all-time try-scoring record holder in Super Rugby at yeah. the time. Equal Christian Cullen tries. with 57, so... Yes. We'll have to keep that a fact legend. in mind for a few weeks when we do a we'll super rugby pointless quiz because we've got a couple blokes lined up to do one against. Ooh. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Uh, but yes, that was a fantastic try. And um, I thought it was quite funny once Roth dotted down, he shook the hand of the referee. No, um, I did not notice that. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why, but I think the referee congratulated him on his try. But I don't know if it was intentional, but he certainly did. So that oh, was quite funny. Good on you. <laughs> Well done. It's for weird how you can spot these little things. Like, yeah. you pay enough attention somewhere. Yeah, I know. But when you're looking for dick of the days, you got to find them. So. Yeah, that, it's, that's almost the most fun part of this is looking at these random little moments. I wish there was mics. If we had access to mics on the players, imagine some oh, of the shots they'd be talking. Even some of the times, like, you pick something up slightly. Thank you. It's ridiculous. It's actually it's better than football or soccer in the sense that. Um, the, they're a lot more disrespectful, aren't they, in soccer? Is that right? No, oh, yeah, and like not in like a, a funny way, just like a no, like they're dicks, just annoying yeah. dick way. Yeah, and they're like their language to the ref. Would you say it's least more tolerated or, or less tolerated than oh, rugby? I don't know. In rugby, they kind of march them back if they get spoken yeah. back. They can't do so much in football. They grab, them, give them a yellow card, give them a talking. Yeah, to exactly. Them. It feels like yeah. There's a lot more shite talking to refs and, and pleading with the ref, even though it's not going to change their mind, you know, yeah. in soccer, but not in rugby. Seem to see but, a lot um, more kind of chat between the players and refs in rugby and a lot more one-liners from the refs. They kind of have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was good. It was a cr- nice conversion from Roth as well. He's converted his own try once again. And uh, 47 points to 28, 73 minutes. And at this point, You've really got to be scoring 20 points, so three converted tries if you're the Crusaders in order to win the game. That's a you big can, ask, but... You think you hear the fat it. lady warming her vocal cords up at this point in time? That's Jeez. true. That is true. But if anyone can do three converted tries in the space of seven minutes, it would be the Crusaders. It's so the Crusaders led by a very angry and feisty little man named Justin Marshall who got himself <laughs> on the receiving end of a high tackle by Mark Durrard. He certainly did. And it's firing up all right. Not happy with that tackle. A bit of fisty cuffs involved. He got up at this point. Oh. Um, certainly some back and forth with the fists, wasn't there? Oh, uh, yes. And, I mean, Clyde Rathbone as well. Off the bench, oh, I think. part of it. David Pavili, is that the reserve hooker's yeah. name? He got up and was a yep. part of it too. Yeah. Interesting. There was a penalty, and just after that, um, after that scuffle, there was a bit of a. There was actually well, a penalty. A penalty against Ghetto. Marshall as well. Um, against then. Marshall. Yep. Ghetto steps up for this one, um, but he does miss it as well, unfortunately. So he was. Oh, just did you hear to... what the ref was saying to his um, touch judge as well before he gave the penalty? He was asking for a bit of advice, and the ref's like, oh. "Do I just give them a bollocking?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, it's, I mean, talk." 
Yeah, that's funny. I, yeah, it just it seems like a much a much more authentic rugby game. It's too sterile nowadays, isn't it? Um, but yeah, no, that's funny. So yeah, Ghetto lines it up. If he got it, it would have been fifty points. Um, well, why was Ghetto kicking at this point? Did you know? Like, well, down or something. Roth might have been down, but he did miss two penalties prior. But he'd been nailing the conversion. So I don't know why, but I think Ghetto maybe just put his hand up and said, "I'll have a crack at it." I suppose. And um, unfortunately, he missed it. It would have been 50 points if he got it. So that would have put it well out of doubt. But um, the Crusaders are not going to give up. And they, oh, they didn't give up. Absolutely not. And one of their players, who probably one of their better players, actually, considering how long he spent on the paddock, was Casey Alala. Yeah, he was good, actually. Uh, they were still attacking, and they get it out to him, didn't they? And um, Yeah, I mean, some very, not necessarily making breaks, but they just. They're actually playing with some energy and purpose for once, and the Brumbies were eventually tired, I think. the Brumbies tire and run out of numbers through the hands. Yeah. And Lawala, I mean Lawala's got a three on one, I think, but he decides to just ride the tackle and go over. So had yeah, two he goes over. There. If he had not scored that, I'm sure he would have got a hammered, but he scored it. So he did, uh, but unfortunately, with Carter, this conversion was very difficult. If he was to miss it. There was no way that they were going to win this game. There was just too many points between them when he did miss it, unfortunately. So um, it was an unconverted try, and that put it to 47-33. So they still actually needed, um, you know, three or two or three unconverted tries. Yeah, it's a bit out of reach, no matter what they did, really. Yeah, so it's not the missing minutes. The Brumbies knew that by the fact they poured the three or four remaining subs on at this point for... Yeah. Your little 60 second cameo to say they were a part of the final. <laughs> Man, it all counts. Um, and then the Crusaders didn't give up, though. And that's the thing about the Crusaders that they, they were going to lose the game, but you know they weren't going to go out uh, without giving it a good crack and making the scoreline oh, yeah. respectable, which, which the, they did. Brumby's fans like to see 80 minutes was up and could have easily hacked it out and yeah. gone back to the dressing room, but they come to play. So. It was a, um, a very respectful scoreline in the end. And, and I know that the Australian commentators were pretty much selling it as a blowout, but it wasn't. Like you said, another 10 minutes, and the Crusaders would have probably won. They had more stamina, I think. And, um, well, as shown by this stoppage time play. Like, yeah, they did. Do you want to run us through the wee stoppage time play? Yeah, the final minutes, well, stoppage time eventually as well. Yeah, um, I mean, great running from the Crusaders. Chuck was a mistake and it was over. Exactly, it would have been a mistake or, or whatever, a penalty against them and that's it. But um, they held on to the ball, didn't make a mistake. Great running, some fantastic running to get it pretty much near their own 22 up to yeah. the other end. Yeah, they pretty much went 90-odd metres. Caleb Ralph kind of sparked it to begin with off a short now. He did. Yeah, it was a good run from him. And then there was some fantastic passing in there, risky passing considering it was... Oh, yeah. Everyone looked like they wanted an offload, even like the big boys, even good old Chris King was getting involved. Eventually, Brad they got Thorne 20... throwing up at you. Yeah, there was Brad Thorne was in there. Everyone was in there, actually. It was pretty impressive considering they knew they'd lost the game. But um, eventually, they got up to the 22 of the, the Brumbies and um, they got it to Major and he just sort of took a step inside to beat his man and thought, oh, I'll put a grubber through and you'd, you'd think oh, I'll put a grubber through it must be the end of the match he's sick of it but yeah no. I thought that was the end it was going to touch or something but but uh, Carter did not think the same and he was absolutely steaming through and uh, dotted it down 
regathered. Showing the pace only a young Carter seemed to show. Yeah, it was a good try. A good kick from Major, actually. But yeah. um, he, Another uh, who was involved scored. in that uh, penalty shootout match. All right, sorry, the uh, internet just went off for a wee sec. No, it's all good. Uh, so, yeah, that was the end of the game. And um, the final score was 47 points. Oh, sorry, I should, um, I should mention that Carter... I uh, believe did not get the conversion either. So yeah. it was a 47 to 38. In, I think. Yeah, he hit the post. Now, this is a question for you, actually. He hit the post. Um, it came back into the field of play. Does it remain in play if the game's over at that point? If it was a penalty, yeah, but not on but the not conversion. conversion. Yeah, okay. I wondered about that because um, obviously the game was over, but no one ran after the ball. It just sort of went back into the field of play, but the, the ref blew his whistle. But um, I know. Yeah, that, I'm always yeah. surprised they let Carter take it because at that point it was a meaningless conversion. I thought they might have let someone just have a go for shits and gigs. Yeah, we've seen it before. I think the Rebels did that in their last game of the season. They let one of their retiring players have a go. Yeah, it's like Ross Filippo have a nudge too. <laughs> you always say for the barbars as well. So yeah, full time, 47 uh, to 38. One of the most entertaining finals we've ever seen in Super Rugby and Certainly one of the most entertaining that I've ever watched. Um, well, the first time well. I'd watched this back in full, and I'm very glad I did, because it was, as the commentators would say, it was a rip snorter. It was. It was a rip snorter. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, I can imagine there's a few meanings behind that. Uh, but anyway, that was the game. Um, kick us off with your man of the match. Do you want to start with yeah, man of the match? I think we'll do man of the match. Oh, I suppose we can do moment. It's probably the least exciting. Yeah, we'll do moment of the match first. My favourite moment. Okay. I feel like we have a similar one. Mine was Samo's one-handed running in the lead-up to the try. Just Yeah, that was nice. All in one hand, throwing it all over the shop. I just love to see that. What was yours? My favourite one was, um, well, I had a few, but uh, I really enjoyed Gerard's hat-trick, his final try. I thought it was a, a fantastic, opportunistic uh, try, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. Definitely the not. sort of horror moment that sticks in your mind of you being Blair and a hat trick in a final was a very rare thing. So, yeah. So I think um, I'll go over that. Otherwise, if I was to choose a, a non-rugby related moment, it would have been definitely a commentary. Uh, oh, quote, yeah, but too many commentary lines to pick on, pick from. Little, um, oh, even the ref had some good moments for me actually. Yeah, there's there's certainly a few. Dick of the day. Do you want to do, you want to do that one first? Um, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll run through my dick of the day. There was a lot to choose from actually between the commentators, between the refs. It's very, very nearly the refs' anger streak. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but he mistook the call for Brad Thorne. So I thought that was a potential dick of the day moment because they don't look the same at all. But that just has to go to Ben Blair for me for his first. Yeah. Mistake, 30 seconds into a final, fly hacking and missing the ball. Sorry to the guy, but I, I want to go to someone else, but yeah, Ben Blair. It's got to be him. I've gone for the same person. Um, he yeah, he hasn't come to play in the final, unfortunately, for the Crusaders. He has cost him a number of points, and I think if he was stronger under the high ball, more confident, you could almost say they would have won the game. Um, they, they, they really did. Um, well, your takeaway is two mistakes, and you're yeah. on top. Exactly. So it is a shame that he wasn't able to capitalise on that. But um, unfortunately for him, no disrespect, but he is the dick of the day on this particular occasion. Yeah, I mean, uh, quality player, quality career. This was just Definitely. not the right time to have a shocker. No. 
No, absolutely. And unfortunately, as a theme in these finals, there's always a couple of players who have off days and that costs yeah, the team. Yeah, it's a couple that badly. stand up and a couple that get glued yeah. to the seat and well, they don't even have a seat, to be honest. They're just falling right down to the bottom of the barrel. Exactly. Um, do you want to so run us through your man just, of the match? I will. Oh, I'll do a couple of notable mentions, shall I say. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, I feel like we'll have a few similar names oh, in here. There's a few of them. There is a few of them. And I always like to give a notable mention to one of the losing side's um, players. And um, th- there is a couple to mention, but um, well, I'm actually going to re- mention Richie McCaw. I think he was, um, you know, had some great runs in there, scored a try, showed some genuine ability with the ball in hand. And um, yes, he was a bit lacking on defense at points, but so was everyone. So I think he was um, a notable mention for the for the that Crusaders. Is a fair shout, actually. He did stand up as much as he could. Yeah. Um, but of course, my man of the match is going to be on the Brumby side. My other notable mentions that you could very well choose, of course, would have been Joe Roth with his um, ability with the ball and again, two tries for him. Uh, but I'm going to go for one of his mates in the back line, um, Mark Gerard, because oh, I think he was fantastic. Um, obviously scoring a hat trick, but it's just his ability with speed. It was just, it really blew them out of the water. And um, yes, he got a bit lucky every now and again, but um, without his speed, they wouldn't have scored those tries. And I think he wasn't selfish either. He passed when he needed to pass. So uh, today, my man of the match would be Mark Gerard. And I don't think you'll be finding many people arguing with that one. I mean, I would give you a different one just because I can. Sure. I'll run through my uh, nominees first. I mean, from the Crusaders, I, had, I thought Merton's and Lawala were good. They both added a bit of spark, which they needed. Yep. But, I mean, ultimately, it was always going to be a Brumby, wasn't it? Because they were class. Yeah. Probably the best opening 25 minutes or so I've seen by any team probably ever. I thought George Smith and Jeremy Paul were very good. Yes. Mark Gerard, as you said, was very good. But I've actually given it to someone who somehow in the 90-odd points didn't score a single one. And that's Radiki Samo. Yeah. I thought he was just a menace at the lineouts and kind of most of the tries, if you had a look back to the start, he was involved in some way, whether it was a tackle or a little offload or flying Fijian arms all over the place in there. Sort of him and George Smith were always involved. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I should have really said he was one of my um, favourable mentions as well because he certainly is. I just think, well, I mean, he because he was off at the fifty-seven mark, fifty-seven minute mark. So I thought perhaps he didn't quite play the full game, but in the fifty-seven minutes he played, man, he was good. So that's a very very fair shout. I couldn't find the official man of the match. But I think it was Joe Roth. Yeah. Oh, you'd like to think it was Roth or Gerard. Uh, Gerard. I mean, two tries and three tries, respectively. I know they did, they used to do a, um, a player nominated, uh, sorry, a fan nominated man of the match earlier in Super Rugby. Oh, that would be um, disastrous. So it would just be Joe Roth every time. So um, I don't know if that was the case in this game, but. Um, I remember the Stags did that this year. Well, last year now. And that was pretty much Marty Banks every other week. <laughs> Fair, though. He was pretty good this season. Like, I mean, yeah, he did stand he up. He was carrying them. them. He was carrying. He's going to carry the Highlanders, I reckon. Oh, um, him and Mitch I'm actually very, I'm very, very excited for the next season of Super yeah, Rugby. We'll, we'll do a Super Rugby preview in, well, shortly, let's probably. It. Let's do it. Let's, let's review the teams. I know Max is keen to come on. 
Yep. Probably do yeah, like a week. That. I mean, a couple players to watch and we prediction yep. and whatnot. So, yeah, that was the game. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, we both we both had a similar amount of the matches and similar key moments, and I thought it was, yeah, like you said, definitely one of the most exciting opening 20 minutes of any rugby game I've ever seen. I mean, you um, can tell by how long the episode is, like yeah. how much there was to talk about. So that wraps that one up. So hopefully that uh, appeases some of our Brumbies fans over in Canberra or maybe just our Australian fans in general, if there are any. Mm. Uh, Gets us more be. hatred from the Crusaders. Uh, featured Canterbury three times now and three losses. They've lost. Them, so. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm pretty sure when we were looking at the listeners, um, <laughs> the majority are from Canterbury. <laughs> so uh. we may have uh, we may have missed the mark on that. So we apologize for that. But uh, oh, I'm I mean, sure it's, we'll it's a, a rare occasion when the Canterbury or the Crusaders lose. So we've got to make the most of these games. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly feature a winner now. There's a couple that I'm thinking of that I really enjoyed. Oh, I mean, um, yes. Yeah, there's a match that I'm definitely keen to watch shortly. Another final, actually. Not that I know if yes. we'll be watching much of it, but the Fog Finals one I'm going to uh, be yes. keen for us to watch at some point. Definitely so, a few other NPC games I want to get amongst as well. There's a few. I'll be keen to, to watch a few of them. Um, yeah, I think NPC is always a good a good one to look at. There's such a classic battlers in there that you always yeah, want to Yeah, that's when you see the names, eh? the names and the moments <laughs> just really come out to show. Uh, but that sort of wraps up that episode. What's coming next on the uh, on the podcast? Oh, whatever. We chat about that after this and decide what we're going to do next week. Um, yeah. We'll have Lockie Munro joining us, hopefully, fingers crossed, in a couple of weeks. Potentially yeah. the legend of Marty Banks, too, once he finishes up with his cricket work. And then and, a couple uh, other guests gonna, lined up for future. And we're doing a, going to do a Super Rugby Pointless Quiz, you said. Is that right? Yeah, a um, couple guys from the Super Rugby podcast, a um, uh, couple nice. blokes from England. Check that out if you haven't heard of it. But I challenge them to a wee 2v2, so have to get someone who's to gonna, host it. Yeah, well, who's going to be our host? Who wants to be our so, host? I don't know, maybe Jesse, Max. Maybe one of them will be keen. We'll yeah. see. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I'll probably I'll give them some rough ideas and they can put together the sort of quiz for us so I don't see all the answers. <laughs> That will probably yeah. do it in a few weeks' time anyway, so that will go out of my memory bank by then. As long as there's a goal-kicking question in relation to South Africans, I'm sure you'll be fine. Oh, yes. <laughs> any goal-kicking question, mate. Any, any cheaters question, you'll have no problem with. <laughs> Name any cheaters player from 2010 to 2014. Oh, I'll, be no help. I'll be a wee bit of help, but I won't be that much help with cheaters, I'm afraid. Um, I'll be mostly helpful in the Australian yeah, I'll realm. I'll whip all the questions up and then just rig it to my liking. <laughs> cheaters and what year did the cheaters become 13th most years um, <laughs> yep. what uh, year did they yeah. not actually finish last <laughs> <laughs> when the kings are involved um, yeah. right, should we wrap anyway, that up here then <laughs> we should thank you very much for listening um, yeah we'll come up with an idea for the next episode and I'm sure Ben will advise everyone as to what that is on, on his page but um Otherwise, thanks everyone for listening. Cheers.